This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe require some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at saythiscast, and go to saythiscast.com to hear previous episodes. If you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. Hello, party people, and welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the chaotic, the chaotic good podcast where we talk about stuff and things that are political, usually, but not today, particularly. We're talking about the abyss? Nope. Today we're talking about children's cartoons in the vein of We're not going to talk about how you started that? We're not? Nope. Are you okay? Anyways. Okay. Today, we're rating children's shows that attempt to tackle progressive themes. For example, your avatars, your Shiraz, your Steven Universes, so stuff like that. Shows that kind of try and go the extra mile to like do a little something, something. And we're doing this because I'm tired. I don't want to talk tired. about politics no more. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this, I mean, this, this whole episode is basically, we have, we, if you haven't listened before, at the end of each episode, we have a little bit where we talk about something that's making us happy. Uh, something that's, that's brightening our mood because the world has gone poop. So this is, this is that, this is the entire episode. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We want, we want to take a break. We both watched Shira this week. And it was fantastic. So we're we're both super into this. Yeah. And when I watched She-Ra, it was weird because uh, Avatar The Last Airbender was also uploaded to like Netflix. And so people started watching it. And that mm-hmm. started getting my mind turning about all of these shows in this vein that Avatar kind of helped launch. Shows that can kind of get away with more progressive themes. Because though Avatar like didn't necessarily go that far in terms of straight up representation and like open progressive themes it was also like the early 2000s well there are some things that avatar does go into sometimes racism or the or the cost of war people die yeah in avatar people are looked down upon and there there are caste systems and there's lots of stuff that is important to to discuss and plus 90 percent of the cast is brown that's true which is crazy yeah and i would say that none of the cast is white (laughs) yeah so i mean i think that's it does mark its territory pretty well yeah but we can get more into that when we're uh doing the rating yes but for now i'm gonna tell you people about the shows that we are going to rate there is voltron kipo Dragon Prince, Adventure Time, The Legend of Korra, Steven Universe, Avatar The Last Airbender, She-Ra, of course, and Beastars. And we will be ranking these on a standard tier list for weebs, <laughs> S, A, B, and C. First, we'll be rating them based upon their quality. So S would be perfection, the golden standard of the genre. A would be pretty fucking good. B would be decent, a good time. And C would be watchable. You could just put it on. Yeah. That's fine. None of these shows are terrible. So 
They're all entertaining. We're not going to go past C. Yeah. Each one of them will is a good diversion. So what show do you want to talk about first? Let's see. Let, let's talk about Kipo. Kipo is something that I actually have never seen before. It's something I'm going to put on my list to watch. But can you tell us about Kipo? So Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast is a show that's aired on Netflix. It's based on a webcomic of the same name. It follows a girl, Kipo, in this kind of like post-apocalyptic uh, West Coast looking town as uh, she gets kicked out of an underground bunker and like tries to find her father. In the show, like everybody's black. Nice. There are a bunch of anthropomorphic animals and there's kind of tension between the anthropomorphic animals and the humans because this takes place in like our continuity. And so like there were zoos and stuff and that something happened. Don't know what. Then the world started changing. And so, like, most of the animals around are, like, sentient. There are scholarly wolves and, like, lumberjack cats and shit. It's very cute. <laughs> are they are they all the same size? Are they, like, human size? Or is, like, a lumberjack cat still, like, a house cat size? They were, like, of various sizes, but they were larger than an average animal or like an average like they were like human sized ish but like chonky oh (laughs) i think that you will like them i think so too so it follows kipo and her friends it's it's a real cute show and a little bit gay just a little bit is it enough i mean it's enough i mean like just one of the characters is gay okay (laughs) like and he's like oh like at one point one of the characters is like like you and he's like oh um well sorry because i'm gay there will be some spoilers in this podcast and if you didn't come into this knowing that you're stupid (laughs) but he like has this daydream and like in his daydream there's like a crowd of like groupies essentially and they're all just shirtless guys that's excellent and i thought that that was very excellent because this is after you know he's gay so the whole scene is just yes this is right (laughs) that's so cool (laughs) yeah it it was just like a cute moment but it's a really it's a really sweet show the second season comes out early june yeah but it's a really good time and most of the cast i've also seen are voiced by uh voice actors of color which is pretty fucking cool nice most of them what is that rated what do you think that's rated on watchability i think that kipo is like a solid A for me. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think it might be a B. Okay. Sounded like a B to me. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the hell out of it, but the greater narrative is just starting to unravel, and I think it has like a lot of potential, but it had its first season, mm-hmm. and that's it. I think that it will get better, but it's very cool. good. So that's the one that you wanted to talk about. All I right. think that we should talk about... The Contentious Dragon Prince. <laughs> okay, so Dragon Prince is by one of the the producers of Avatar The Last Airbender. There's like a bunch of people that worked on Avatar that disseminated into other projects, <laughs> and this is one of them. I think it was like the head writer, and he then basically this is uh set in kind of a medieval fantasy setting where this one kid and his and his little brother 
find a, a dragon egg and they have to bring that egg to the dragon queen because the dragons are basically fixing the to wreck earth. Basic overview. There's so much else going on there. Yeah. I think one of the cool things about it is that there's a lot of diversity. There there are obviously different kinds of elves and different humans. And one of the main themes is power. There are different kinds of magic. There's dark magic and light magic. Dark magic, you have to actually kill someone or something that has magical properties to use because humans don't have innate magic and how people react to you using that power, how it affects everybody around you. It's really interesting. The animation in the first season was not good. Horrendous. <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah, it's using uh, 3D animation. And just as a general note, like the animation in the first season was really bad, but I don't really feel like it does them any favors in any season. <laughs> what the producers were saying is they were trying to make it look like a like a storybook, like any image could have been a, a pictured book, but... I think they also skimped on the animation budget to keep it under budget in the first season. And the second season, they got more money, so it looks a lot better. So, <laughs> But they could have drawn it's... that shit. If they had done something like cel-shaded. Oh, yeah. That I would mean, have achieved what they wanted a lot more than this. <laughs> oh, I mean, and like you said, it doesn't do it any favors, but it's still... It, it doesn't make it un completely unwatchable. There are shows that the animation is so bad that I just can't watch Berserk. it. <laughs> yeah, so Dragon Prince is... One of the cool things about Dragon Prince is that it features an interracial family, which I think is really cool. And especially one where the one of the kids is basically adopted... Um, into another like a like the white kid is, is adopted into into the family with the black father and, a, and his kid and it's one of those things that's never mentioned it's just like yeah that's what's that's what's up you know? yeah also there are um characters with disabilities in the cast that yeah. play like pretty decent roles like they aren't part of the main cast that's one of my problems that's gonna come up over and over again on this list i think what's that a lot of shows have diversity, but then, like, not their main cast. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and that would describe the Dragon Prince. Outside of the main cast, it's not totally heterosexual. And also, there's, like, a plurality of different types of bodies, but not in the main cast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, there there are, uh, there's one kingdom that is ruled by two queens. Um, they're, uh, the, in the elven lands there are uh same-sex couples which is which is good but yeah the main cast is pretty um is Head pretty straight row. yeah <laughs> so one of the things that really bothers me about the dragon prince the first season which is cursed um uh, it's gotten a lot better but one thing that i will never forgive the show for um is uh and we're again in spoiler territory you fucking weirdos if you haven't watched the show just okay <laughs> So, uh, in the first season, Rayla is trying to kill the protagonist, Callum, and Ezrin's father, and they do not succeed. And because of that, as part of her assassin's pact, there's like this magical ribbon tied around her like right hand that if the job isn't done, it constricts the blood until eventually like she loses the hand. 
And so throughout the first season, there's this whole um, tension where like her hand is slowly like losing functionality and like it hurts her and she's like, oh boy, I'm about to not have a hand. And like that could have been a pretty decent storyline, I think. And then literally in the last 30 seconds of the last episode of the fucking season, the dragon, Asmodeus, wakes up out of his little baby dragon egg and like he bites the ribbon and ribbon break and she good. And I'm like, so you could have had like a main character with like a disability, but then also like... There are a lot of storylines that could have gone gone through there. Dragon Prince is not is not perfect. There are a lot of things that they could have done that they kind of backed away from. I I'm sh- I can see how that would have really uh, annoyed the hell out of you. I could totally see that. Yeah, I just don't. One of the one of my big pet peeves in like writing in general is when you work up to like some sort of consequence for your actions because like of course Rayla deserved to lose her arm because she was trying to fucking kill these people's dad and then she failed in every way that the situation could be analyzed that would be like I don't know fair within the universe but then like they're like oh but baby dragon bite ribbon and I was like <laughs> wow yeah what great a, storytelling baby dragon like a, by ribbon <laughs> there was a an episode and a half where they were mad at her because they finally found out that she was part of the moon elf death squad that was going to kill their father they failed because she she went along with it because she thought she had to and and she and she made this this pact with everybody to to kill this guy, even though she she doesn't want to kill anybody. She doesn't want to kill anybody. So the big thing there was that she was trying to do the right thing, but after she did a bad thing. And that could have followed her into the second season at the very least. That could have been a side quest or something. Yeah. Also, she betrayed the shit out of her. Um, she betrayed the shit out of her people. Yeah. And that does come up later. Yeah. She, that does, come she up. does get banished. Also... They could have just chopped off her hand and gave her a prosthetic if they didn't think that it was going to be, like, cool to have a protagonist with one hand. Although, fucking cowards, honestly. (laughs) There were about a thousand things that they could have done other than that. I just thought it was insulting. I mean, Mm. come the fuck on. This is where I probably say that my place for Dragon Prince on this tier list that we are constructing is like a solid C. Yeah, I'd say that. Because the first season pissed me the fuck off. And like that taints my vision. But genuinely the last season, two seasons. Yeah. Season three was genuinely good, but that doesn't offset how trash the first the, one was. The the show has a definite upward swing. And the story, the main storyline, if you're not thinking about those those things that we're talking about, like the negative things, the main storyline does move at an interesting clip. And the action is very well done, especially in the second and definitely in the third season. Yeah, the third season was spectacular. Oh, yeah. It was the second season. It tries to do. Here's another thing before (laughs) we move on. It tries to like do like a similar meditation on like the elements and how they interact with like your body in that world and like magic and shit. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a lot of like the stuff that they do in Avatar, only way less interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we both agree. 
that this is definitely a solid C. It is it is not it's not completely <laughs> like terrible. It is still watchable. It's just not going to be as representative or as as watchable. And we'll talk about representation like more later, but the show itself is is fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So C. That's C tier, yeah. definitely. I think we agree. Next up, what do you want to what do you want to talk about next? It's actually your turn to pick a show. I thought I oh, okay. Uh <laughs> let's just let's just get Avatar out of the way. Who Avatar. What can be said about Avatar the Last Airbender? Utter perfection. Set the standard for this subgenre of Western cartoon media shit. It is amazing. It is. Start to finish. The the creators were um yeah, I I can't I can't say enough about it. What what were you going to say? I like, yeah, it's difficult for me. It feels like this uh, topic of like why Avatar is very good has been like talked to to death. But I think that one of the highest praises that I can give of Avatar personally is that there isn't a weak character in that cast. Mm. Think of a character from Avatar that either like wasn't well characterized or like was like truly unlikable in every sense of the term. You can't do it. Yeah. You can't do it. Every arc had good characters. Even, like, the side characters were, like, interesting or, like, evil in, like, a really cool way. Yeah. Cabbage Man is legendary. Oh, my God. What, yeah. what can even be said about Toph? The Earth Kingdom. Oh. The fucking Water Kingdom. That the Water Tribe, yeah. That Moon Bitch in the Northern Water <laughs> Tribe. Queen. The guy who made Soka's little, like, meteor sword. King. They're all good. Momo? Ugh. King. Yes. Incredible. Perfection. S tier. Yeah. Watchability S tier. Definitely. It's, um, I've, I've actually seen Avatar all the way through maybe three times maybe four since it aired and that's not including the multiple times that i watched it directly after the the show aired i would watch it and then i would watch it again mm -hmm. and it it's basically not over either they kept making comics about that world uh and continuing the story too which is just wonderful like it really expanded the world and the lore which i think is is Incredibly important for this kind of show as well. Lore. Having a fully realized world. Yeah. And not just throwing it in your face, having text on the screen or anything. Just, this is the world that they live in. And if you move through the episodes, things change in the background without them even mentioning it. Yeah, they don't even have like a self-insert character for everything to be explained to. Exactly. Like directly, which is really good storytelling yeah because like the worst thing ever is when you have like a character who's just essentially there to get information like shouted at them constantly exactly. so you know what the fuck <laughs> is going on and one of the cool things about that is it makes you want to learn more because there's yeah. these pieces of of the story in between the episodes and they don't they don't go out of their way to explain it like there are these statues all over avatar of this of this turtle thing and that doesn't come up until, like, the last couple episodes. And this really 
especially gets a community started around the show, not just because the characters are engaging, they are, but because the world is so interesting and it has so many facets and so many characters that are just in the background that just show up like randomly, like Cabbage Man. <laughs> yeah. And from the very beginnings of the show, you can tell that they were working towards the ending that you got. Yeah. They specifically planned out three seasons. That was it. That was what they were going to do. That's what they set out to do. And that's what they did. And that's one of the reasons why the show is so good. Yeah. Just extraordinarily tight storytelling. Um, great lore. Leaves you wanting more in like a good way at the end of it. The themology, like the character arcs, each character goes through like significant growth throughout the show, but their growth isn't linear because often you'll get a character that like makes some progress and like they stumble and then like they have to relearn a lesson or it has to be knocked into them repetitively throughout the seasons. Yeah. And like it doesn't and they don't do it in an annoying way because you can see it mimics the way that like actual growth happens in the same way that you don't want to see a character learn one thing and then forget it the next episode the show like does a little bit of that but more in a organic way like Sokka learns to be more of a serious fucking person yeah he's still a goofball and he still fucks up by being a goofball but in the background he is a more serious person and that does pop up more and more as the story progresses yeah each one of the main cast and and some of the the background cast they all have very good arcs, very good character growth, or more information comes out about them. And it's, you can tell that a show is really good by if there's an episode that people just say, like, I just cried at this episode, <laughs> like a children's cartoon. I just bawled at this episode. Um, and there's, and there's one of those like that in, in Avatar. And it's just, like st shows like this that can be gut wrenching, emotional, and then silly and exciting, like the next week. That is what you can say is quality. What's your favorite character? My favorite character in Avatar. Yes. Main character or side character? Doesn't matter. Mm. Um. Oh man, see that's hard. It's hard to do, but I think Toph. Good one. Mm. If you watch it, you do think, what element would I be? what element would I want to control, you know? Yeah. And I always liked earthbending. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, it, so Toph was really like something that I, that I really, uh, that I really liked. Like she was, she was an addition in the second season, but she really grew fast and she really had a really great arc. And it was someone with a disability, that was yeah. that that was in the uh, that was in the show that was really that was really great yeah so what about you now I'm thinking about Toph because like truly of the main cast she is my favorite mm. I like Iroh so fucking much <gasps> Iroh's amazing yeah I fucking love Iroh so much oh and <laughs> the fact that, that uh, the character such a is so... funny character such a nurturing <laughs> man what yeah. a king real king shit very loyal to his nephew God. Oh. And and he just wants to hang out and drink tea. He's just he's just such a calm soul. But he can wreck shit if he wants to. Yeah, and also I think that it's interesting to look at a truly evil 
army and a truly evil like nation waging a war that is like indefensible Mm -hmm. and to have those moments where you're like i just want to drink some where he's like i just want to drink some fucking tea Mm -hmm. you know all of this all this shit like that's cute what my brother's doing but i still have like a shred of honor in me yeah i mean it clearly he was he was basically he was doing what he thought like what his family was supposed to do but he he clearly didn't want to do any of that but i mean i i think the the main thing um before we go on is the the fact that a character like that can survive a it's uh that his voice actor passing away may um mako was a fantastic voice actor uh he did um uncle iroh he did um um is it aku in Samurai Jack? I believe so. Yeah, he did that. He, he's he fantastic voice actor. He passed away during the uh, production of the second season, uh, and they got someone else to replace him in the third season. He was fine. I liked him. He didn't sound, of course, he didn't sound exactly like Iroh, but he still had that sense, and they casted him really well, but the writing was really what carried it through. The writing of the character and the the direction that they had um, yeah. really carried it through. And I think that was just uh, it was just it, it really is indicative of the quality of that show. Yeah. Yeah. You really can't say enough about like Avatar The Last Airbender. No show has like objectively speaking exceeded it in its like deafness of storytelling and just like sheer quality mm-hmm. in this subcategory mm-hmm. yet i think that it has been matched though um by the next show i want to talk about okay which is shira oh we're gonna go here now okay talk about your old shira shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're the one who has all the background i just know about this one i don't give a fuck about that 80s shit all right so <laughs> i'm um, a zoomer oh, jesus christ so wow wow okay wow okay <laughs> so anyway <laughs> so anyway Shira was a cartoon that was back in the early to mid 80s it was a spin-off of the of the cartoon he-man and the masters of the universe and that show was terrible Everybody knows about He-Man. Everybody has this nostalgia goggles like art on for He-Man. I never understood that. The animation was terrible. I thought this when I was like six. I was like, what the hell is this? The spinoff, they decided because it was so popular, they wanted to do something for girls. (laughs) Basically, they wanted to sell girl toys because that's what they did. One aisle for boys, one aisle for girls. So... They had a spinoff called Shira, Princess of Power. And this was uh, Adora, um, Prince Adam, who was He-Man's uh, twin sister on another Earth. I love this show. It was great. <laughs> the animation was better. The writing was better. If, you, um, if you're if you a fan of uh, Babylon 5 or Sense8 or um, a, a lot of great comics, um, J. Michael Straczynski 
was one of the people that created Shira. So they had that and it lasted like for a fairly long time. It was pretty popular. Then it ended and they had the IP or the intellectual property rights and they handed it over to Noel Stevenson a couple of years ago. And what happened was a miracle, an absolute just gift. Absolutely. Just wonderful. So yeah, yeah. that's the, uh, that's the old, that's the old shit, apparently. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I mean, I just want to talk about shit that came out in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was like, okay. So, I mean, so yeah, um, Shira was, um, Shira and the Princesses of Power was the uh was the recent show that just had their final season premiere a few weeks ago as as of this recording end of may in 2020 she was the only show that i've ever watched where i've really liked the fact that there were five seasons (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean i have never really watched shows and been like oh wow i need more of this after like Usually after the second season, but after the third season, I feel like most shows lose the plot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's usually it's usually th- be- depending on how good the writers are, it's usually between three to five seasons, uh, and then unless they completely reinvent the show or add or add in like a completely different element, then it just gets stale. I actually I don't like shows where they're constantly like escalating because then it's just okay. Let's ride this all the way to the top. <laughs> I like a show that does what it does and then either and then keeps ends. doing and like ends or it like keeps doing it and it's episodic, but mm. it gives you what you wanted in the first place. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I it, it planned out shows are key. That's one of the most important things about any any television show, especially in anim- any animation show that is really, really great. You see the story, you see the ending, and then you write the ending, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, Shira did this beautifully, and like I've been reading um interviews with Noelle Stevenson and Same. just the way that she the way that she interwove the relationship between Katra and and Adora, the the two antagonists, protagonists in the in the show. How she wove it into the main plot so that it cannot it could not be cut just without their relationship without them becoming a couple yeah it wouldn't work yeah what i really love is um shira was first and foremost a love story with some other stuff Mm. moved into it Mm -hmm. throughout the entire story as noel stevenson said the entirety of the plot was just kind of about adora and katra the entire time yeah there are dynamics changing even when they were really far apart and then they'd meet for a second and you'd see kind of like how their character development played when they were put in an adversarial relationship with one another and this happened throughout five seasons and i think that it was like there are a lot of characters in that fucking show right oh yeah and still yet everything literally everything that happened kind of just had to do with their relationship and getting them back together 
Yeah. And so when I look at this as a really tight show of good storytelling and that story being like a love story, it kind of like puts me in a position of awe. <laughs> Particularly because like even though it was like strictly about these two characters, they were also able to give a lot of loving care and attention to the side characters as well and somehow have the thematic elements work into that greater narrative that they were telling. Yeah. Like for instance, Adora's relationship with Glimmer most certainly has implications for her relationship with Catra. Glimmer, of course, being an idiot. <laughs> oh, Glimmer! Glimmer, why? She's trying. She's oh. trying. She's trying. She's trying. She's She's got her own journey. She's got, you know... Glimmer, why? <laughs> The 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 cool thing about Shira, especially like the these cartoons like uh, Shira and Voltron, that are reboots of old properties. The love that is put into this, like the background characters and the settings and different stuff about again in the lore that makes this world just so full. It makes it appealing to like little kids and old farts like me <laughs> both because it offers something for everybody and i think that and that's one of the qualities of a of a truly great cartoon because you need to have something that appeals to adults and to children uh so they all watch together which is which is vitally important yeah. you want to watch these things with your kids because uh they might have questions about like why are those two girls kissing each other? And also, why did Katra freak out when um, Shadow Weaver touched her? Mm. What I really like about Shira is also how how it really goes dark when it needs to. Yes, it deals with some intense trauma and healing, death of parents, um, abusive childhoods, betrayals of trust, and also betrayals of one's autonomy. In season four, when Glimmer activates the whatever the fuck. The heart of uh, Etheria. The, the heart of Etheria without anybody really agreeing to that shit. God damn it, Glimmer. God damn it, Glimmer. <laughs> and even before that in season three, there was a um, pretty intense arc, I, as I remember it, that was kind of about having one's autonomy violated. Yeah. And the way that they handle the healing process from that, they do not shy away from how shitty that is and how a survivor of abuse does not have to forgive the abuser. But it also gives abusers arcs as well and typically resolutions that see them acknowledging the shit that they did and then changing. Yeah. Not necessarily to be forgiven, by people but like change yeah and i feel like that's really important shadow weaver for instance the abusive teacher parent for katra and adora she was super abusive but then like in season four shit hit the fan for her and essentially she had to go through the process of acknowledging the harm that was done and going from there and she died at the end of the fifth season, trying to save Adora and Catra, doing the first selfless thing that she'd ever done in her entire fucking life. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good resolution for that character, because she doesn't get to be happy. 
she's done a lot of harm. Yeah. However, she does get to go out on a high note. I think that that is uh, indicative of the type of storytelling and the type of depictions of trauma that you get in Shiro as a whole. Yeah. I mean, she patterned the the big, big bad, Horde Prime, the overall villain. Uh, she patterned him as a cult leader. Yes. And the the way that he had control over uh, his minions was wasn't just that he was a mean guy. He wasn't just evil or threatening them. He was basically their god. Their entire world. Yeah, their entire reason for being, and they could never speak against him. And they actually showed an, a, a little arc of one of them that broke free and realized how horrible that was. And they basically deprogrammed him and got him out of Scientology. It's obviously Scientology. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, they, and they got him out. And it was this really interesting moment when one of his minions was like, Oh my God, he's not, he's not all knowing what, what? And it was, it, it was really done well. And, and it was a third of an episode that they spent on that. It was very powerful. So, Shira S tier, I think. S tier. S tier. Easy. Love it so much. Yes. Personally, spicy take. Sorry, everybody. Uh -oh. I like it more than Avatar, but like that's because I'm a gushy, mushy, soft girl <laughs> who likes fucking love stories. I'm a bitch baby. We were talking online about this, and I think that it would be really interesting to, to say this on the podcast. Um, we were talking about which one was better Shira or Avatar. And I think a really interesting thing that that we were talking about is how they were they both had different target audiences. Yeah. For all of the super progressive high notes of like Avatar the Last Airbender, it came out like in what, two thousand and six? Yeah. Yeah. Like 2005, 2006 probably. And it had to be marketed primarily towards boys. Yes. And it was a very boy-centric show. Very action-centric. Lots of lots of fighting that did weave into the plot, but still, there was a lot of focus on different fighting styles and different and everything like that. The first two seasons, to my memory, really focused on the action, and then the third season was more esoteric. But that was kind of also coinciding with the people who had grown up watching Avatar becoming old enough to grasp those things as well. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it was like a show that was marketed towards boys in the way that antiquated showrunners think that boys are. Yeah. As opposed to girls. And so it is a lot of things, but it is also an action adventure narrative. Yes. And that is not what Shira is. Again, Shira is distinctly a love story with adventure narrative shit woven in there. Yeah. Avatar is a an adventure story with emotional shit woven in there. They're kind of two sides of a coin. Yeah, they're the inverse of each other, necessarily. Yeah. And that's pretty fucking cool if you think about it. Yeah, I just love it. We've gone over four of the eight, so why don't we split this episode into two, and why don't you guys come back next time for a, a some more discussion about the the other cartoons?
What do you think, Nicole? Hell yeah. All right. So um, next episode, we have like a bunch of stuff that we can talk about. We have Legend of Korra, Adventure Time, Voltron, Steven Universe. Uh, so we'll continue rating that. But for right now, thank you so much for listening to I Shouldn't Have to Say This. If you want to support the show, if you uh, want to learn more about it, you can go to saythiscast.com. You can go to patreon.com slash saythiscast. Uh, and we have some plans for uh, mini podcasts for our patrons if you sign up for that at different levels. Let's get Nicole a, a mic stand. Yeah, I need a mic stand. Um, I have a, a Corsair. I have a box for a Corsair power supply. Wow. And it's a few years old. Wow. I think that the integrity of my box is degrading. I need a mic stand. But also, you should also leave us comments or email us or some yes. shit about if you enjoyed this episode and if you want to hear more of this type of shit. Because honestly, it makes me want to um, bop myself in the head a lot less than the <laughs> politics shit. <laughs> the life is like a fire hose of information right now. Sometimes we need to take a break. And that's that's why we always want to have those parts of the episode at the end that say, like, what what making us happy? What is what is giving us life that week? And I think whole episodes like this would be good. So, yeah, um, email us. That is saythiscast at gmail.com. And you can also tweet at us at saythiscast. You can also leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and on Stitcher or anywhere else that you that you'd like. We want to hear from you. We want to know the all of your thoughts about the show. We want to we want to have our own growth arcs. Help us do that. Anyway, <laughs> where can we find you online, Nicole? You can find me on Twitter at Jack of Three Trades, and that's three as in the number. Or staring into the abyss, and it stares back. What is it with you in the abyss this episode? What? Wow. My Twitter is at press start lock, and uh, you can follow me on there. You can also follow me on Twitch. That is press start Morlock on Twitch. I do a political chat uh, twice a week. That is Tuesdays at 11 and Fridays at 3 p.m., uh, both Eastern Standard Time. It's a good time. Sometimes we have crazy people, and I just like to pick their crazy brains. Chuds. <laughs> Chuds in the chat. <laughs> Uh, if you want to know more about the music that we play on the podcast, all of our music is by Mustin. It's a great video game remixer. All of our music is video game music because we're huge nerds. Go to store.mustinenterprises.com, store.mustinenterprises.com, and check out his music. And I shouldn't have to say this, is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network, and you can go to planetsidepodcast.com com to learn more. Like st- shows like this that can be gut wrenching, emotional, and then silly and exciting. Like the next week, that is what you can say is quality. Yeah. Just anytime, if you if you know someone that really loves Avatar, just walk behind them and just say the sentence "leaves on the vine." Fuck you, man. And they'll... (laughs) 